What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Tuesday, June 7th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice, and this is What A Day, where we are holding Elon Musk to his contract of never purchasing our podcast. That's right. We're filled with bots. We are. We have more bots than Twitter. We are. We have so many bots. You don't want to get near it. And also, we're more expensive than Twitter, so. Exactly. $45 billion yeah. is a starting offer. We will go from there. On today's show, we preview some of the primaries to watch taking place across the country today. Plus, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson survived a no-confidence vote from within his own party. But first, we're going to look at how abortion access is declining on a local level, even before the Supreme Court issues a likely decision that will effectively overturn Roe v. Wade. In states like Oklahoma, for example, which has become the first state in the country to outlaw abortion quite nearly entirely, clinics that had previously been serving clients coming from other states like Texas are now quiet. That's according to a story from The Washington Post that we'll link to that gets into the scenes at some of these facilities. Meanwhile, money that had been allocated for travel funds to help people get from one state to another with better access is running short in some cases as well. According to a report in the Dallas Morning News, money that had been designated to help Texans already wasn't enough prior to the passage of Oklahoma's ban. And now that it's been passed, those people will have to travel even farther in the future, meaning the funds will require more resources. The report says that in 2019, the National Network of Abortion Funds could only support about 26% of the requests they received. The issue could be compounded as well because other neighboring states like New Mexico might not have the resources necessary to support an influx of people coming in. This is all happening, mind you, while public polling has recently shown that in many instances, support for abortion rights has hit new records. Yeah, and thankfully, in the midst of this, lawmakers and advocates across the country are devising new ways to protect abortion access as much as they can wherever they can. For example, in Austin, City Council member Chito Vela has proposed a resolution to decriminalize abortion in the event that Roe v. Wade gets overturned and a trigger law that has been passed in Texas goes into effect. So Josie, I spoke with Vela about the resolution last week and started by asking him to walk us through what this would do. The first thing is that it will designate any alleged abortion crime as the lowest priority for the police department, meaning the police should not be focusing on these. They should be handling other more urgent priorities before they ever touch anything related to any abortion type crime. And the second thing that the resolution will do is it will limit the use of city funds for any investigation regarding any alleged abortion crime, meaning that we don't want the police to be creating a, an abortion crimes task force or, you know, an abortion crimes kind of database or, you know, anything like that. We don't want them to be staffing it up. You know, obviously, if someone files a, a report, we have to take that report, but we don't want really much to be done uh, after the report is made. 
And do you have the votes necessary and the support necessary to get this passed at this point? We do. Austin City Council is, generally speaking, very supportive of abortion rights. We do have to be careful just because we may have some conflict with the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just want to kind of thread that needle very carefully and try to make a resolution and policies that are as legally defensible as possible. Yeah. So to that end, how can you legally on the local level, on the city level, circumvent Texas state laws that are banning abortions? We're not legalizing it per se. You know, in other words, the resolution is not saying that, oh, abortion will be legal Mm -hmm. in Texas. So we're not going to be in direct conflict with Texas law. We're just saying that for our city, for the Austin Police Department purposes, that we want these types of uh, investigations, alleged crimes to be of the lowest possible priority. That in and of itself is not in direct conflict with state law. Mm. Every police department in the state decides what its priority enforcement will be. And there is also precedent for this in the resolution that was passed regarding marijuana. Mm. The city of Austin passed a resolution saying basically that we want those to be the lowest priority crimes and we do not want police arresting people for those types of crimes. Mm. And that worked. Yeah. And to that end, I'm curious, are there other protective resolutions in Austin that have to do with abortion reproductive rights at this point already? So the city has a track record of uh, supporting abortion rights and helping to provide abortion services. And then recently, my uh, co-sponsor of the resolution, Vanessa Fuentes, my colleague on uh, city council, also put forward a a non-discrimination resolution making sure that there was no discrimination, that we will not be holding that against anybody with regard to the provision of city services, to employment, to really a whole slew of matters that are kind of under the city's uh, jurisdiction. So we're trying to set up a framework to minimize the damage that could potentially be done, that will be done, honestly, if Roe v. Wade is ultimately overturned by the Supreme Court. And, and do you anticipate other cities within the state trying to kind of replicate that framework? And and what would the implications of that be? I really hope so. There is strength in numbers and we're communicating with other organizations around the state. And we want this to be a model for, you know, Houston can use, that Dallas can use, that San Antonio can use, that any other city in Texas that wants to fight this fight, we want them to just cut and paste. Do you anticipate getting any backlash from Governor Abbott? And, you know, if so, how would you counter that? I mean, the, the quick answer is yes. Uh, in particular, mm-hmm. I would anticipate getting some backlash potentially from our attorney general, uh, Ken Paxton, who is currently under a felony indictment, but won his Republican primary, honestly, in a route. Uh, but this is policy guidance. It's just saying that. This is how we want to run our city. These are our priorities within the city. We're not in direct conflict with state law. We're not superseding state law. We're just saying that within the city of Austin, this is not our criminal justice priority. We have other priorities. So right now, I mean, there's no conflict with state law. So I don't anticipate kind of a a lawsuit or anything like that. They're very creative, though, too, you know, and uh, the Texas legislature only meets every other year for 140 uh, days and they will be in session starting uh, January of 2023. Mm. And I am sure there will be some type of movement, some type of reaction, some 
kind of response from your uh, real conservative Republican members. We're doing the best we can to draft it in such a way where it hopefully doesn't get overturned. And we're ready to find the legislature. I mean, we have a lot of allies. We're already talking with them. And I feel pretty good about mounting a very vigorous defense against anything that's moving through the legislature. And to sort of like ground this conversation in what's most important, which is the impact on members in your community, how have they been thinking about and responding to the prospect of how life could change when and if Roe is overturned? I think people are horrified. It's already bad enough right now. My uh, staff and I were just touring a clinic where we went into the, the adolescent ward and they are really concerned for their patients and their ability to access reproductive health care to, you know, plan B. All of those kinds of things are at issue. And then beyond that, we're afraid of the impact to our LGBT brothers and sisters as well. Um, mm. You know, Roe v. Wade established the right to privacy and the right to privacy essentially forms the constitutional basis for gay marriage. Mm. And so many other forms a constitutional basis for uh, birth control. And so it's not just abortion rights that are threatened. It's a whole spectrum of rights that surround Roe v. Wade that are threatened. On the other hand, We've gotten tremendous support from my constituents, from the broader Austin community, from my colleagues, from so many other folks who are horrified. I just never thought that we would be in the position that we're in today. But here we are, and we've got to stand up and fight. That was my conversation with Austin City Council member Chito Vela. We'll have more on this resolution as well as the future of abortion access over the days and weeks to come. But that is the latest for now. We are going to be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm -hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Seven states have primary elections today. That's California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. In California, there are a couple key races we're watching. One of them is the Los Angeles mayoral race. Among the candidates running is billionaire mall kingpin Rick Caruso, a former Republican turned Democrat on paper, but not in practice. He joined the race pretty late, but has since spent $23 million of his own money to fuel his last-minute pro-cop campaign. And he's now neck and neck with progressive Democratic Congresswoman Karen Bass for the city's top spot. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, there's a recall vote for progressive district attorney Chesa Boudin, who we had on the show a few weeks ago. While San Francisco is considered liberal, the recall election has been funded largely by right-wing donors who blame Boudin for a rise in crime, despite the fact that San Francisco mirrors much of the rest of the country in terms of crime trends, including those thousands of places with extremely tough-on-crime prosecutors. 
Finally, over in New Mexico, incumbent Democratic Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham is up for re-election. Several GOP candidates have flooded the race in hopes to flip that seat, and one of their frontrunners is a former television meteorologist who denies climate change. I will say that it is good that the adjective former is in there. If We're going to have to say that a person of that sort exists with those beliefs. Right. You'd rather it be former, right. I suppose. It's true. It's true. <laughs> A big loss for the men who aspire to be walking cans of monster energy drink, but more misogynistic. A federal (laughs) grand jury charged five members of the Proud Boys, including their leader Enrique Tarrio, with seditious conspiracy yesterday for their role in last year's insurrection. The indictment makes the Proud Boys the second far-right group to have members hit with the rare charge reserved for those who plot to overthrow the U.S. government. Lest we forget that the Oath Keepers set the trend earlier this year when their founder, Stuart Rhodes, and 10 of his besties were charged with it as well. Before this, Tario was already facing charges of conspiracy to obstruct a federal proceeding, resisting Capitol Police, and destroying government property despite not physically being at the riots. But this new sedition charge alleges that he carefully planned the actions of his four henchmen slash co-defendants that were there that day one of whom was the first to break one of the building's windows using a shield he stole from a police officer. Monday's indictment shows how the Department of Justice is widening the scope of its criminal probes to account for extremist groups that coordinated with each other ahead of the insurrection. And it comes just days before the first televised January 6th House hearing scheduled for this Thursday. Boris Johnson just showed a generation of unruly British teens that it's not the end of the world when you get caught partying. (laughs) The UK Prime Minister survived a no-confidence vote among Conservative members of Parliament yesterday, stemming from his attendance of several illegal social gatherings during lockdown. 148 Conservative members of Parliament voted to remove Johnson from office, short of the 180 that were needed for a majority. Still, Johnson is very much in the doghouse, or as I say in England, in ye old house of dogs. Yes, they do. (laughs) Famously say that in England. His (laughs) approval rating is around 27%, which is also my approval rating in England. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) He was booed this weekend at the Queen's Jubilee, and historically conservative prime ministers who are the subject of a no-confidence vote are usually ousted within a few months. So the odds are very much stacked against him, but Johnson's famous shaggy-headed swagger seems to be intact. (laughs) Following yesterday's vote, he told his party, quote, I will lead you to victory again, and the winners will be the people of this country. I also told that to all of the UK yesterday. This is a, a long-running way for Josie to inform us that she is challenging Johnson, I suppose, <laughs> for the role of prime minister. We both have 27% approval rating, so I think it's going to go great. Right. We need to get your numbers up for sure. A crushing defeat this weekend in the world of doctors who get turned into vampires. The film Morbius did terribly at the box office after its studio Sony made the unusual decision to bring it back to theaters for a second time. Backing up for those of you who have not been inducted into the Morbverse as we have, Morbius is a Spider-Man spinoff starring Jared Leto as the bloodthirsty Dr. Michael Morbius, which was panned virtually by everyone when it first hit theaters in April. It notched a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, with critics noting its, quote, uninspired effects, rote performances, and borderline nonsensical story. Though they didn't say anything about the costume, so those could be amazing. Um, In spite of this reception, or perhaps because of it, internet users saw something special in Morbius. Memes soon filled the air like the Doctor's beloved bats. And the movie took on a new life when a 24-7 stream of it went viral on Twitch last month, complete with an active comment section, which introduced thousands to the fan-generated catchphrase, It's Morbin Time. You know, the thing (laughs) that we've been saying all week. 
A campaign called Hashtag Morbius Sweet began, hoping the movie would dominate at the Oscars. Fans proposed sequels like Morbius, The Rise of Morbius, and eventually Jared Leto himself and big brands like KFC made posts and tried to get in on the fun, by which, of course, I mean they ruined the fun. Now, Sony clearly hoped that they could drift off the ironic fandom around Morbius to get some actual Morb heads in the seats, leading them to re-release the movie on a thousand screens. But it turns out people who love roasting something won't necessarily pay to see it, and the movie brought in just about $85 per screen. That wouldn't even cover the copay to visit Dr. Morbius, something we would, by the way, never advise, despite any ZocDoc reviews you might see. And it tells us that there are more similarities than differences between the overly confident Icarus and the vampire Dr. Morbius. I just want to say that this headline is why people should listen to What A Day. <laughs> yes. It includes so much. Icarus, KFC. You'll learn about Morbin time. Yeah, yeah. Morbin mm-hmm. time. Jared Leto, like... You've been cooped up all week. I have. Your kids have been talking to you about Morbin time. Right. You're like, what is this? Uh-huh. Now you know. I, now I know. I was going to say also, the concept of people not paying to see something that they love to roast would also apply to me uh, <laughs> if I ever held an event <laughs> that required money. I would definitely pay to roast you. I'm just saying. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, maybe there's a dual event. Um, we get your approval numbers up. We get yeah. mine down. It helps muddy the waters in terms of the it's uh, true. race in England. Right. All right. Uh, those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. This Thursday, June 9th, our very own Travel will be co-hosting Pods of America alive and on tour at the Theater at Ace Hotel in Los Angeles. Ooh. Tickets are going fast. Visit cricket.com slash events to get yours. I would pay to see them in person, and I get to see them every Sunday. Yeah. I would pay to get into the Zoom to work. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I would do. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, enjoy a feminist can of Monster Energy Drink, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just Morbius fan fiction like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and stay, stay away, away, Mr. Mr. Musk. Musk. Yeah, it's not Musk in time. It's Morbin time. <laughs> and you know the deal. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein. And our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high.